You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Well, great. It's great to be here and it's great to have the opportunity to share. And before I get into the crux of what I wanted to speak about, I mean, last week, who was here last week? But yeah, show of hands. Great. We're interactive. This is good. I may expect more of that today. Um, but last week, Chris shared a challenge on false starting and whether or not we are taking the easy way out. And even, I mean, two weeks ago, I already had, a, I think, a seed drop in my heart of what I wanted to share this morning. And it was great to come last week and hear what Chris, Chris was sharing, because I think it's just an extension of that. And there was a couple of key, thing, key sentences or key points that he made that stood out to me, which is... Um, thinking we are okay when we should be the ones to go. You know, he shared uh, passages like, you know, who will go out into the harvest field? And he was saying, oh, we, it will be okay if we just stop there. But then it says, go, I am sending you. You know? And I was thinking, well, this is, is very, a very important challenge to be listening to. And it's moving from what we believe is the right thing to do to the way God desires us to move in. And so this morning I wanted to, to share on, and it's behind me, changing our perspective. Because we can be, you know, we can fall into the, the trap or the or very one-dimensional way of viewing what it is we should be doing in God. And where we should be looking at it from God's perspective. And this is where I'm coming from. So if you have your Bibles on you, electronic copies or hard copies... It is on the uh, PowerPoint as well. And it's Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And it says, this is Paul speaking, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now here, Paul is giving almost like a self-image of 
who he thought he was. Like, before he was, you know, he had his encounter with Jesus, before his conversion on the road to Damascus, this was who Paul identified himself as. And if you want to go to the next slide, Chris, this is who Paul recognized himself. This was his identity. He's like, I am a Jew. I am a descendant of Abraham. I am circumcised. That means I am a true Jew. This is the physical representation that I am a Jew. I am of the people of Israel. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew, born of Hebrews. That means he held firmly to the Jewish customs and culture. I am a, a Pharisee. That means he would separate himself to anything that would be seen as impure. He considered himself zealous, and that is why he persecuted the church. He was considered himself faultless, legalistically righteous, because he followed a strict observance of the law. And the amazing thing that I see in Paul's life is before his conversion, Paul thought he was serving God by persecuting the church. That amazes me. He thought he was walking in step with God by persecuting the church. Because in his eyes, the church was not operating in the way that Paul thought was righteous. Now, have you ever had an experience where you thought you were right? Yeah? You were adamant. I am right, you were wrong. Have we all had, have we all had those? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Guy, I know you're always right. You don't have to say it. It's fine. I had an experience like that recently, okay? Uh, I went away to Soul Survivor. And uh, at Soul Survivor, with your group of youth and leaders as well, sometimes you play some games to pass some time. And there's one game called Uno, right? We all know the game Uno. Now, I'm English. So when I read it, I read it Uno. Okay? Makes sense, right? I have never felt so under attack in all my life, right? It was just like, oh, we're going to play some Uno. I said, no, no, you mean Uno. He said, what? It's like, you know, I committed the biggest, you know, sin in the world. It was just like, what are you doing? What you, it's Uno. And one, one of the leaders decided to look it up, even went on Google, got the Greek meaning of it, and said, there you go. I can tell you straight away, it's Uno. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm English. It's red, you know. <laughs> I was adamant. And this is what I see in Paul. Almost a kind of sense of like, no, no, it doesn't matter. This is the right way to do it. Okay? You're not legally right, legal, seen as righteous. The church is not seen as righteous, so I'm going to persecute it. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell them, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're not operating in a way that is righteous. My way is right. This, I'm walking in the right step. And so a question I have is like, what does calling ourselves a Christian mean? If you're in this, in this, you know, in this church hall today and you're, you're saying, I am a Christian, maybe you're not, maybe you're in offense and you don't know yet, but those that you, of you who will put yourself under that banner, what does that mean to say that I'm a Christian? Is it, I believe in God? 
I read, I read my Bible. Oh, I pray. I pray now and again. Oh, I attend church on the Sunday. I wear my Sunday best. This is not my Sunday best. <laughs> what does calling yourself a Christian mean? Being like Christ. You know, I have, I had, um, it's funny, when you're preparing a message, you have different images and thoughts coming in. And I, I was thinking, how would you, if you had a meeting room of different people with different, who work different jobs, and they would say, oh, I work in accounting, I do accounting. I'm a business manager, I manage businesses. <laughs> I'm a Christian. What does that mean? But you see, following Paul's conversion, his perspective was transformed. If you go on to the next one, Chris. And I think it was something like this. God is in the center. And Paul had the privilege to go and be, and you know, be the image of God to those that he went around to. But he could also point the way back to God as well. So I wanted to just bring up a few points. A few challenges about changing our perspective. And the first one is that anything goes versus God way, God's way goes. It's like a tongue twister this morning. See, following his conversion, Paul went out to the early, you know, the, the church at that time, and he came across different various problems within within each one. And there were some people in the early church that took the stand that because they were saved, they could do anything. So it doesn't matter what I do, I'm already saved. So they would do all, they'd do anything. They were, there was problems with prostitution and eating, eating wrong food and all this was going on. But Paul taught that in the realization and acceptance that Christ came and gave his life for them, their lives should be a reflection of Christ. And I remember myself, when I first became a Christian, I didn't understand what it meant. It was almost like, okay, Yes, I believe in God. Now what? I'll go back to the life I was living. I'll go out and out with my mates and drink and get drunk. Go to the clubs and boogie away, it doesn't matter. You know? That's, that's not it. I won't embarrass you with my dance moves this morning, but still. And you see, in this passage in Philippians, even beforehand in Philippians 2, Paul outlines about having no confidence in the flesh to imitate Christ. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. See, when we, put our, when we believe in God, if we say, I'm a Christian, and we believe fully in God, we have a responsibility to walk in step with him in every aspect of our life. You know, we can fall short, though. You know, it is hard. Chris said it last time, to go, last week, to go. It's hard. It's hard to be the one saying, okay, I will go. And likewise, it's hard to say in every moment, God, I, I'm going to walk in step with you. But Paul's life was transformed. In a moment he had an encounter with Christ, he went and he did. And then we have the next one, the world or the flesh versus the spirit. Now, the problem in the early church that Paul was facing, and a problem that is very clear in the world today, is that of idolatry. You know, the love of wealth or money, sex and pleasure, or self-exaltation, my name to be known. But then as believers, as Christians, should it not be love, sacrifice, and separation from that of the world? See, Paul clearly stated in Corinthians, he said, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And I felt a massive challenge in this because it was, are there things that I'm putting in my life or are there things that I'm putting God on hold for? Are there things in your life that you're prioritizing above God? See, it's easy to be a pedestal Christian rather than a Christian pedestal. Does that make sense? It's easy to stand up and look down on everybody else and say, you've got it wrong. But it's harder to be the pedestal for which people can step up into God. To come down to them and say, let me help you up. Not to point down on them and continue to push them further, but to offer them a hand. And Jesus was the primary example of this. With his disciples in, in, John, in John 13, there's this account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. The saviour of the world getting down on hands and knees with a bowl of water and a towel 
and washing his disciples' dirty feet from all their traveling. He wasn't looking down on them and saying, okay, by the way, you may want to wash your feet because we're in a home now. You may need, you know, it's a bit dirty, it's a bit filthy, you may want to wash your feet. He got down on his knees and he did it for them. And further along in this passage, he was like saying, look, I have set you an example to follow. Are we a Christian pedestal? Are we believers in God who are willing to, wherever people are at, offer them them a hand? Or do we fall into the trap and the and thinking of saying, my life is okay. You know, you need to sort yourself out, but at least I'm okay. And then we have justice versus forgiveness. Again, I speak out of my own experience where I used to judge other people what are you doing? Is, is you know all o- Uno, sorry, all over again? <laughs> People judging the way I say it. But then there's other things in people's lives. Like there, if you look at everybody you pass in the street, they're all on a journey, and we don't know what their life entails. I've had that. I've walked, I've walked up a street or I've sat in the park, and I see these people walking by, and I've had these thoughts of like, what is going on in their lives? What is their journey? What are they going to? Are they going to work? Are they going home? Is their life okay? Are they hurt? Are they broken? Do they know God? Do they know, do they know hope? Do they know love? It's very easy when we come across people and we hear about their lives and you can, oh, that's not good. Say, so, oh, you, you did that, did you? Wow, glad I don't. These little thoughts can just drop into our head without us knowing. And we already just start speaking them over other people and, or, and we're pushing them further away when we should be pulling them closer. And in 2 Corinthians 2, 5-8, to there's another example from Paul. This is like, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you, to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. See, we must... We must always be willing to show forgiveness to someone who is sorry or repentant or know they've done wrong or see mistakes in their lives. You see, it's not, we should not hate a person for the things that they have done. It's the sin that they have done that causes separation. But the person God loves And I have this, again, as I, at work, you know, my, I have a, a team leader and you know, most of my, 
all of my colleagues at work do not believe in God, um, but they know that I'm a Christian. And over over the the years I've been working there, I've been revealing to them what that means. <laughs> um, and my team leader, he was one, and, and he was just like, "Oh, you're you're a Christian?" I said, "Yes, I am." Proudly. <laughs> and conversation started to flow. Now his life is like he lives in he lives in a council home. I've been there, and it's it's a difficult situation. You know, he his former form of escape is to go out, drink a lot, and sleep around. And it's very easy for me to take this stance and be like, "Oh, you need to change. What is wrong with you?" But is that what Jesus would do? See. I see importance of coming down to where he is and saying, how was your day? What have you been up to this week? Building relationship, building firm foundations. And he's asking questions all the time about God. So, so what do you do at church? You know, he had, the, he had this thought of what church was. You know, it's not a fun place to be. And then I, the more I shared about what we do, it's like, oh, it sounds quite good. There was one situation where he came into work crying because he, he had experienced something. Hell, he had a terrible week. And he, he came up to me saying, you're probably laughing at me now. I said, well, well I'm, I wouldn't laugh at you, mate, unless you said a joke. Um, but he said, I prayed last night. You know, all of this, he said, all this time of me asking you challenging questions, saying, what would you do in this situation if this happened? And me trying to catch you out with this thought and that thought, and then I, and then I pray. He said, nothing happened, but I said, doesn't mean God's not listening. It's very easy to push people away by the very way we act around them. But we can also, in the very way that we speak and act, we can bring them closer. Jesus had this encounter with a Pharisee in Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40. It's one of them. Pharisee, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, it's easy to follow the first one, isn't it? You say, I can love God. Yeah, I love God. We had a great time of worship this morning. God, you're brilliant. I love you. You're so good. But it's harder to do the second. We see all these things in this world that are going on. And it's so easy to cast out hate. Oh, what is going on? 
You know, we, we can pray against these individuals or we can pray for the individuals and proclaim love over them. God, will you reveal your love to them? May you change their heart. See, my thought is that if we fail to abide by that second commandment, which is just like the first, are we not falling short of the first? If we fail to love other people, our neighbours, brothers and sisters, even those that are not part of the church, if we fail to love them, are we then failing in our love for God who loves them? See, it's easy to look at Paul's life and marvel at God's transformational work to then look down on others in this world who are opposed to the faith. Paul did not realize that you know, his persecution of the church was against God. He thought he was following God. But it took an encounter for him to change his heart and mind to then be an advocate for God. And the majority of the New Testament, you see the works of Paul. See, I look at Paul's life and I'm thinking, I, I, I can see myself in him because I, I wasn't a Christian my whole life. And then it took a moment for my closest friend to say, why don't you come to church? Sure. Why not? Come to, come to the youth group. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, why not? You know, got nothing else to lose. It took my friend to, to be my friend, to actually see, see the potential within, to see me and to pour out love for me to then have that encounter with Christ that has completely transformed my life. I'm thinking if, you know, if God can do that in me, if he can do it in Paul, all these people out there that are, you know, speaking against the church, walking in the wrong way, surely they can have the same thing happen to them. But we have to be the ones that, as Chris said last week, are willing to go. We have, be, have to be the ones that are willing to put in the hard work, the sacrifice, to come down to where they are and lift them up. To not just marvel at our you know, superiority, superiority in Christ. It's like, yeah, I'm saved. It's amazing. But actually, like, you know what? You can be saved too. You know what? There is hope for you. You think your situation is hard? It's not. You know why? Because God has already won it. God has already made a way. And there's a, a statement I hold on to that Paul made in Acts 20:24, 20, which says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And I wanted it to reword that so it was more personal. It's not about me. Is about the privilege of being part of something that is far greater than me. We already, those of us who believe in God and 
have found salvation in his name, we are walking in freedom. So it's not about you anymore. You have that. Don't hold it for yourself, but share it with others. You know, they have, they need to know. Just like my team leader at work and other people that I encounter in the week, they need to know. And it's not going to, it may be instantaneous, or it may be a journey that you have to take with them, but it's worth it if they see God through you. I am challenged in, for me it's like I've had, I've had um, some time off, time away from studying and, you know, being involved in the church and just time just to, to rest and recuperate. But now it's like, I believe God is kind of saying, okay, Tom, are you ready? You've had you time, now it's me time. Change your perspective to what I see. Open your eyes. There are people out there that still don't know me. What are you going to do for me? And so I want to invite the, the, um, the team up. What is your perspective? What is your focus? Are there things you're holding on to? That means that God doesn't get your undivided attention. I'm going to pray. I want to pray over you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.